Blog Talk Radio. You have tuned in to Debt Free Wealth Radio. Trudy Beerman here. Our website is debtfreewealthradio.com. Debt Free Wealth Radio is a production of TrudyBearman.com. If you're listening in on your mobile phone, on the web, or through iTunes podcast, welcome. I invite you to come on board as we explore all things money that ultimately leads to empowering those who desire debt-free wealth to delete debt, build wealth, and protect family assets through money education, resources, and opportunities. Let me guide you to debt-free wealth. Today's topic comes from the category of building wealth, and the topic is women and money, women and money. It's actually a series, a four-part series on the main topic, women and money, and today is part one. And today's topic, the segment of women and money is conditioned to receive, women and money, part one, conditioned to receive. Daddy, sugar daddy, boyfriend, husband. Women have been conditioned to receive the finances for their care from others. And as we age, we even extend this list to include our adult children as our providers. As women, we have always worked and worked hard, but it is only in recent history that we were financially compensated for what we do, and even more recently being recognized by society as creating a financial impact within our own right. Still, our historic conditioning and traditions passed down within families influence how women interact with money today. Now, in part one, which is today, conditioned to receive, we're going to explore the traditional mindset of women and money and how it may be influencing our role as financial contributors today. Now, join me and contribute, if you can, live by calling in at 323-417-6775, or if you're catching this later, via the Facebook comment box, which is below the show page. You may have to scroll through some white space, but keep scrolling down, and you will be able to type your comments, and I really hope you will participate in this conversation. So today, I really want to establish the premise for this topic, conditioned to receive. Now, even as I do, I want to point out how we're conditioned to receive, that does not mean that we women are parasitic leeches. We are, our, our, our contribution to our lifestyle is undeniable, even when it's not financial. Over time, there is no question that women have a unique position, and sometimes we use it to manipulate to, or to influence or to directly determine our quality of life. Now, whether that means that we're great at getting the rich boyfriends who finance our every whim with a swish of our hips, or we have our man absolutely scared and he hands over his paycheck, or we sit with our partner or husbands to discuss how we will budget the money that he earns, or we still call our parents when we need something. Or you call in the authorities and garnish that man's wages and child support and alimony. Or even more so, we work our butts off 
and earn every dollar that we spend. Now, I could go on and on and on. There's many, many more examples, but trust me, I will get into our power, the power of women and money in later shows. So be sure to tune in and catch all the segments of this four-part series as we look at the topic of women and money. So, like I said, it's a four-part series. Part two is going to touch on age matters. Because you know what, guys? Money, our money focus changes as we do. Part three, which is, uh, so part two is going to be next Friday at 10 a.m., 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 6th, June 14th. Part three, which is going to be on June 21st, is marriage, motherhood, or managing solo. Because, of course, our status influences our focus. Part four, which comes up the following week, which is June 28th, is uh, women and money, financial force or financial farce. Can we really make a significant contribution or are we destined to be the perpetual sidekick? Now, I like my shows to be evergreen, so I've put dates out there, but remember, guys, these links are always going to be good for you, and this information, I'm trying to keep it green, which means I'm not putting any time-sensitive stuff in here. Now, even while I look at this topic of women and money from the four perspectives I just mentioned, it truly is impossible to cover everything and certainly impossible to represent all women. Some of us are truly the exception to the rule, but I promise you, even within that exception, we will still fit into many of the truisms that are the normal trend for women in general. I promise you. There is something here in this show for you. And as long as you are of working age, there is definitely something here in this show to you. Now, while I'm mainly speaking to women here, men, gentlemen, if you're listening, listen carefully because you might just get tuned into the unspoken, the things that you always wished that you knew about us. Okay, so according to Genesis 2 verse 18, The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, I will not debate the role a woman should play in a relationship. And I'm not here, this is not going to be a Bible study. So let me just set that straight. What I am trying to establish here is that this verse sets the tone for humanity long before the academics of today decided that there is no God. Ancient civilizations going way back, and our our ancestors, whoever they may be, have always been fervent worshippers. Go back and check any historical anthropological reference. And the genealogy of most of us, even if you're Arab Muslim, we, we all come from this Jewish ancestry for which this verse has very strong influence. <clears throat> so coming forward in time, regardless of your belief today, coming forward in time, our role as a woman has been greatly influenced by this perception that I will make a helper suitable for him. This perception, and it has ruled our ancestry coming forward, regardless of where we come from. And it is only in recent history that the academics have challenged everything religious. And women today are challenging the established status quo. So we're very, very influenced by our history. Now, women have been seen, therefore, as the weaker 
gentler sex. And our men take care of us. First, it's our fathers. Then, for some boyfriends. Then, husbands. And later, adult children. Some even have, you know, their you know, sugar daddies or whatever you want to call them. But somehow, a lot of us women have always found a way to have some man taking care of us. Now, this has been how it always has been, and it continues to be, even as women challenge this today in growing numbers, the statistics are still unevenly skewed toward this reality. With this in mind, I hope that you're seeing that we women really are conditioned to receive even our anatomy is built as a receiving vessel. Our vaginas receive and contain while men project and give. We are receivers, and this is in our DNA. So while a subset of the lesbian groups may argue that they are an exception to the rule, even within that, that group of women, <laughs> there are still exceptions and not generalities because within that group there are the feminine receiving partners. So for radio, remember, guys, I must speak in generalities. The natural tendency for women to be receivers predisposes us to a particular mindset about how we finance our quality of life. Now, that quality of life is a standard that we have set in our minds, and how that standard gets there is another show for another day. But as maturity sets in and we become sexually drawn to seek a partner, we tend to ignore the fact that at the most basic instinct, we are still participating with nature to procreate and preserve the species and our ge genealogical line. So we seek out partners that appear to be able to provide the kind of lifestyle that we want. Argue all you want. While pleasurable, science has already determined that for the most part, behind the chemistry, what attracts us to another is a more animal instinct to be attracted to healthy, robust partners that will lead to healthy offspring. Now, as we select our partners, you don't have to look around too much to see the impact of making a bad choice. After six years of marriage and two children, my own, and having a swimwear factory servicing many models and miss whatever in competitions, that marriage dissolved, leaving me miserably more destitute than I was when I married that man fresh out of college. For one thing, I was ejected back into the world with a destroyed credit score, a crushed spirit, and questions about my worth and identity. And even as I processed that divorce, the judge offered me the option to take back my birth name. But I chose to retain my married name of the time to the upset of my ex because I wanted to retain a clear identity connection with my children. And if you've ever had to travel internationally, you will appreciate that even more. But setting aside my experience, many women make poor choices of partners. Really, it's, it's, it, they don't think so in the beginning because they make those choices with the hope and expectation, or shall we say a fantasy, that this man is going to evolve into the potential that we see. But somewhere along the line, somehow he misses it. Let me give you ladies a word of advice. And this is not just from my experience. My mother is a 
20-plus year veteran of marriage and family therapy, and she has been a major consult for me on many topics. Ladies, when we connect in a relationship, men expect us to stay as he found us. They expect us to stay as he found us. So if you're, you know, giving him all this attention and respect and treating him wonderfully and you're a certain size and you are, you know, he expects us to stay that way. But guess what? We change. As soon as we settle into that relationship, we change. On the other hand, we expect the men to evolve into what we fantasize them to be. And disappointingly, sometimes for us, they remain exactly the same. Now, we women are hardwired or conditioned to receive. So let me send out that caution to select your partner very carefully. Chemistry has never been a good filter to determine the quality of any relationship. And if you've ever done one chemical experiment at school, then you will know that the moment two chemicals combine, the nature of one very often is forever changed. Not always, not always, but a lot of times that's the case. So if you are going to receive, because remember, we are conditioned to receive, pay attention to the quality of those deposits that you're receiving. If, you, if the partner that you pick is not already where you want him to be, make sure that he seems the same future vision that you have for him for himself or make the decision to drop that vision altogether. If he's a bad boy, he will remain that bad boy that always aches your heart. And if he's one of those goody good guys, then he will remain a goody good guy that maybe later on you'll say is boring. Marriage will not change this man. Only the man can decide to change himself. So remember that as you receive, you want to pay attention to what you are receiving from, and that's a choice that you are making. Simultaneously, when we settle into that relationship and become something else, some of us morph into an elephant wearing pajamas all day, and we're no longer that prized catch this man longed to wear as his trophy when he first got with us and we have we will have a problem in how much he continues to give to us and we continue to receive from that man because you know what ladies men love to be heroes they love to be heroes so give him a reason to be your hero now even if we're truly attracted and uh, let me back up and say this there's lots of men that love big women and the flip side of that is if you get too small they won't like you either so remember whatever you were when he met you and determined that he loved you is exactly usually what he wants you to remain or you guys work it out together what that future vision needs to look like so nobody's disappointed so even if we're truly attracted to and marry a partner out of sheer love if they cannot provide us with that lifestyle that meets that standard that we've determined in our heads, and again, remember, that standard is a, is a show of its own. How that standard comes to be, what we determine is, our, is our, what we tolerate, what is our minimum standard. If he cannot meet that, very soon the love nest will be in heated arguments fueled by the lack of adequate financing. And that argument is heated in proportion to how we women view our role in the family finances. 
Now, there is a growing trend in American men to see women as equal financial contributors to the home. And a growing number of men are even willing to switch roles as the main breadwinner with their female, female partners. But even with the increasing statistics, this is not representative of the norm. Women who have lived independently for years or they often yearn for more comfortable existence with a man who will provide for them. I remember my mother's neighbor sharing privately with me that she deliberately had another child within the time frame of her first that was just about to get ready for kindergarten so that her husband would not expect her to return to work after being home for this period of time. Motherhood definitely influences our return to a level of dependence. So even if you were independent before, the moment you become a mother, the moment those hormones start moving around in our bodies, and it changes our brain chemistry, ladies, and it takes us back to that level of dependence, that willingness to receive, and it strengthens that mindset to receive our existence and finances from someone else, even if it means we move back in with mommy and daddy. Today, motherhood scares the hardwired independent woman. And in general, women who contributed financially to the household find themselves in an identity and financial crisis when motherhood hits. The natural preference to nurture their newborn versus returning to a two-income household creates a real dilemma. The fact is, women have always worked from the first moment in Genesis to today. The issue has never been their willingness and readiness to work. The issue has been and always is earning an income when we have been conditioned to receive. Now, I am now remarried to my soulmate, but in my first marriage, I remembered, even though I was married, my father contributed to give me stuff because I didn't stop asking him. Even though I was married, I continued to be daddy's little girl. I married my first husband shortly after graduating college. In fact, my entire time in college, I was even with someone that I hoped would marry me. I had friends that would not openly admit, but in private girl talks did, admit they were on a hunt for a husband. The greed and all, we still saw ourselves as the wife of, ding, 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 fill in the blanks. And we would dream many dreams about our prince. Now, my mother is a marriage and family therapist, and she counsels many who plan to marry and many married who are struggling to keep the relationship viable. Repeatedly, we women come to a crisis when the man we see the potential in does not live up to the fantasy of our minds. You see, we're willing to take him as he is no matter how broke. If, big if, if we see the potential that he has, what it takes to provide for us at the minimum standard that we accept and that we have in our minds. Failure of that man to meet that standard or exceed it, and we will launch into a tirade of how that man has disappointed us and how he has not lived up to his potential, if only, if only, if only. And some even become abusive telling that man, the same man that they fell in love with, that he's lazy and stupid. Women who do this may as well scream to the world, I'm a receiver with little or no intention to contribute. 
some of you may have heard me mention that even as I earn my money as a married woman and homeschooling mother, that my money is my money and my husband's money is our money. Now, I'm definitely a receiver, but I do contribute, and I have a strong drive to do so. But, again, we will explore this further in Part 4 of this series, Financial Force or Financial Farce. Now, women have always worked outside of the home, but never before in the numbers or with the same impact as they did in World War II. And prior to that war, many women that did work were from the lower working classes, and many of them were minorities. Some thought they didn't, that they shouldn't only have the jobs that men didn't want, while other women felt they should give up their jobs so unemployed men could have a job, especially during the Great Depression. Still others held the view that women from the middle class or above should never lower themselves to go to work. These and other viewpoints would be challenged here in the United States as of World War II moving forward. With men off to fight a world, worldwide war across the Atlantic and the Pacific, women were now fully called to take their place on the production line and now bringing an actual income. So this is a new reality in our history. Restrictions on women's access to and participation in the workforce include the wage gap and the glass ceiling, inequalities most identified with industrial nations with nominal equal opportunity laws. In 1964, the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act barred discrimination in employment on the basis of race and sex, and at the same time it established equal employment opportunities. Now, I found statistics going back as far as 1970 showing that white women earn 58.7% of the income of their male counterparts in 1970, but there was no data for that same period for Latino or African-American women. But in 2010, that same data sheet showed that white women jumped to about 80.5% 80 of what white men make in the same jobs, while African-American women earned about 70% and Latino women were earning about 60% of what white men would make today. The report, another report by um, CNN.com, um, show that women have not only caught up with men in college attendance, but in fact we have surpassed them, yet that gain hasn't translated to our pocketbooks. Statistics also show that women are more likely than men to live in poverty. Women's income now accounts for about one-third of the family's total take-home pay. As women contribute more and more to the family budget, some of us are even out-earning our husbands. This particular study that was displayed in CNN.com also showed that 18% of women, of working women, earned more than their spouses. And there have been changes in family life. Fewer women are getting married. And in 2009, 62%, only 62% of women in relationships were married, and that's down from 72% in 1970. And in addition, in 2009, only 15% of women had never, ever been married at all. So this report shows that today women are having fewer children than in the past, and she's having her first baby at an older age. 22% of women are having their first child in their 30s compared to only 4% of women who did that 
in the 1970s, and more women in their 40s are becoming first-time mothers than ever before. Times are changing, people. We women are changing. We are built anatomically different from men. Have you ever heard a group of women singing together? We sound completely different from men, and men will never get PMS. Nevertheless, more of us are exploring the presidential side of our relationships, and the men are increasingly allowing us to explore this presidential side as they try on a more sensitive feeling side. The mindset to receive creates identity challenges as we move along the time continuum from daughter to girlfriend to wife to mother. We women are very hard workers, but not always willing or fairly offered an opportunity for equal financial contribution to our existence. So for those of you who may have recently graduated high school and begun to look for jobs, or you're in college preparing for a degree to boost your career options, or you're in a relationship that is likely to have some permanence to it, you're married, you're single with children, you're a stay-at-home mom, or you're forced to stop working so as to care for an aging parent or a special needs child, let me ask you ladies, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself in the privacy of your own mind? How dependent do you see yourself? How dependent do you want to be? How dependent have you been forced to become, whether because of a job, of a loss of a job or change in your status? How dependent have you been forced to become? So let me repeat those questions. How do you see yourself in the privacy of your mind? How dependent are you? How dependent do you want to be? And how dependent have you been forced to become? While recognizing that we are on the receiving side and to what degree that we receive to create the lifestyle that we want, I invite you now to explore your contributing side. I invite you to explore your contributing side because this is what we're going to get into a little bit further as we explore the additional three parts of this series on women and money. So we may be conditioned to receive, but let me remind you of what I said at the opening of the show. We're conditioned to receive, but that does not mean we're parasitic leeches. Our contribution is undeniable even when it is not financial. We women have a unique position to manipulate, influence, and directly determine the quality of our life. Whether you're great at getting that rich boyfriend or you are great at you know, handling a budget, women, we have way more influence and control than you probably realize or are willing to admit. Now, I could go on and on, but trust me, we will catch up with this. So please be sure to tune in and catch all four seg- all the other segments of this four-part series as we look into the topic of women and money. So did we do it? Did we deliver value to you today? If so, please show some appreciation. Give me some love in return by clicking the like button and following my show. And if you have a product, service, or opportunity that helps others delete debt, build wealth, and protect family assets, and follow our show, send me a request to be a guest, and I'll discuss with you how to make that happen. So remember to join me next week because we're going to pick up on the second part of this series, Women and Money, Age Matters. Money focus changes as we do. So that's next Friday. Or if you're listening to this after the fact, make sure you look for that second link 
in the archives, Women and Money, Age Matters. Trudy Behrman here. Thank you for joining me today on Debt Free Wealth Radio, and I look forward to catching up with you next week. And, you guys, you can always go over to TrudyBehrman.com, T-R-U-D-Y, B-E-E-R-M-A-N, TrudyBearman.com, and, you know, put your name and email in there and receive my free ebook, and, and let's continue this conversation, all right? Thank you all. <laughs>